Yes. Uh, Christopher, Julia, Justin, Zachary, Sean, thank y'all very much. Only the Holy Spirit can convince us that that song is true when things aren't going the way we want them to. Um, but the Holy Spirit can convince us of that. The Holy Spirit can, can convince us of that. And uh, that's one of His primary ministries. And uh, I pray that He would manifest that ministry in our lives this morning. I truly do. Uh, last week, we looked at a passage in Acts chapter 27 about Paul taking a journey from Jerusalem to Rome. A, a, a voyage uh, along the northern coast of the Mediterranean Sea heading west toward Rome from Jerusalem. And uh, it, was a, it was a real voyage. It was a real uh, uh, what's, what, a Poseidon adventure, if you will, if you remember that old movie. Um, and we talked about that. We're not going to talk about that today. But uh, there was a phrase that I can't get out of my mind in that chapter. It's a, it's a word that God spoke to Paul a few days before the ship sank. It crashed into a coral reef. or a, That's not true. I'm so sorry. It crashed into a sandbar. Lord. Uh, it crashed into a sandbar and it was demolished by the waves. Um, but a few days before that happened, God appeared to Paul in this storm on this boat and said, Paul, do not be afraid. Uh, you are going to make it to land. You're not going to die in this storm. You're not going to drown. And not only that, but how many people were there on the ship with him? 270 something. There's a bunch of them. Several hundred. More than several hundred people on this boat. And, he said, and the Lord said, Paul, not only are you not going to die, you're going to make it to the, to the beach and survive this deal, but everybody traveling with you is going to make it too. Nobody is going to. Everybody that's traveling with you. Is going to make it to the beach. And survive this deal. And. Um, I don't know why. That has stuck with me all week. But. It just. Impressed upon me that. Those 270. Ballpark. Number of people that were on that boat with Paul. They made it to their destination for one reason and one reason only. Because of who they were traveling with. Had nothing to do with them. Had nothing to do with their merit, their goodness, their wisdom, their faithfulness. Because they were traveling with Paul, they made it to their destination. That's a... That's an important biblical idea. Uh, 
emphasizing the importance in life of who we choose to travel through life with. Uh, you see that with the Israelites getting from Egypt to the promised land. There's only one reason that the Israelites made it from Egypt to the promised land. They were really smart. Really creative. They were rich. They were good looking. Um, they had done a bunch of, they'd gotten a bunch of gold stars on their little huts in Egypt for extra good quality work uh, on baking bricks. No, no, no. There was only one reason why the Israelites made it from Egypt to the promised land. They walked with Moses. Everybody that followed Moses made it to the promised land. Anybody that didn't follow, walk, travel with Moses didn't make it to the promised land. Uh, you say the same, not only Paul and his folks, not only uh, uh, Moses and the Israelites. Um, who was the other one I was thinking of? Oh, uh, dead gummit. Who else was I thinking of? Oh, of course, uh, the disciples in that boat in the souls of the Mediterranean in heaven that the disciples weren't going to make it to the bank. Why? They were with Jesus. And Je who, who wants to say, well, we're not sure Jesus would make it. Oh, no. Jesus was going to make it to the bank. There wasn't a chance in the world Jesus wasn't going to make it to the bank. And the reason the disciples made it to the bank is because they were with the one that was going to get there. Ruth understood this. She intuitively, or maybe it was supernaturally, she even, I don't know when Ruth became a believer in Jehovah God, but at some point living around her mother-in-law, Naomi, she got something, she got what I'm saying to you. And that is, she told her mother-in-law, Naomi, she said, Lady, because Naomi, in a, in a moment of depression and discouragement and despair, she gave uh, Ruth terrible advice. She said, Ruth, you go back home. Go back to your family. Go back to your gods. Go back to your land. Uh, don't, don't go with me. And Ruth had the discernment to go, no, no. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I live. And the God that you worship, I'm going to worship. She instinctively knew that it that it, looking around it was gray days. It was it was gloomy. It was not a good moment in the life of Ruth and Naomi. They were penniless. They had lost everybody. It was a terrible season in their life. But Ruth knew if I stick with this lady right here, I'll get to where I want to be. It's a huge principle that that in the Bible. It, we see it just, and I could give you dozens of examples where people understood that person is, is going to end up in an incredibly good lot following his uncle. Why would you, where are you going, Abraham? I have no idea. What are you going to do when you get there? No idea. But I'm going with you. Because where, I know that when you get to where you're going, it's going to be a great place and I want to be in a great place. So if I walk with you, I'll, the Bible says, we'll be determined by who we travel through life with. If that principle is true regarding Moses and the Israelites, 
Ruth and Naomi, Paul and those sailors, Jesus and the disciples, how much more true is it when we understand that God Himself wants to be our companion? That He's not just handing out salvation cards. Here's your salvation card. Here's your eternal life card. Here's your, you know, you won't go bald card or whatever, whatever you want in your life. Here, I'm just handing out these tickets. That's not, no, no, that's not what Jesus says to give tickets. I got my ticket for heaven. You ever heard people say that? I got my ticket for heaven. Where'd you get that? Because Jesus doesn't give out tickets. Where's the Bible to say Jesus ever gave anybody a ticket? What the Bible says is, is that Jesus invites us on a journey. Come follow me. I'm going somewhere and it's going to be great. If you want to wind up in some place that's great, you come follow me. Walk with me. And the good news of the gospel is, Jesus doesn't just invite us to walk with him. Jesus personally says, I'll walk with you he promises that he will walk with us he will provide for us he'll take care of us and he will ultimately get us home he'll get us to a great place he promises never to leave us forsake us abandon us or forget about us never no matter what And you see this, this invitation to join him in a journey and to never abandon those that, in, that accept that invitation. You see that in the life of Job. You see it in the life of Abraham and Jacob and Joseph. You see it in the life of Daniel and Esther and Ruth. You see it in the life of Moses and Joshua. You even see it in the life of knotheads. I'm so happy that they're included because then that gives me hope. You see it in the life of people like Samson. Samson, his life didn't go well. Oh my goodness, it didn't go well. But he got to a great place. He's even an added in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. He, it, even people like Samson and Jonah, another. What a knothead. But ultimately, the invitation that God gave to Jonah and Samson led them to the same great place that ultimately Abraham and Moses and Daniel and the greats of the Bible experienced as well. Regardless of the size of the problems, obstacles, failures, regardless of the number of obstacles and failures and, and enemies and battles, at the end of the day, things ended well for people who heard God say, join me in a journey. And they said, I will. I'll do that. Did they stump their toe, fall in a ditch, step in a mud hole, sit down and pout at times, just like you and I? Well, who would do that? You and I do that. Even People that did those kinds of silly, rebellious, foolish, immature things. God's invitation, come on and join me. They still ended in good places. Deuteronomy 31 says, don't be afraid. 
Don't be discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. And he'll never fail you. Nor will he abandon you. And then in Isaiah 52. I love this verse. It says. The Lord will go ahead of you. Yes. The God of Israel will protect you from behind. God On this journey. God's leading. But God's not just leading. He's also got our back as well. I want to illustrate this today. In a hopefully a very practical visible way for y'all and to do that I need to give you just one little sort of prep idea and that is this I pray every day that y'all will read your Bible I nag you like some horrendous mom uh, to do so I send you reminders I, 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 I don't know I do everything I can and will never stop in case you're wondering will he ever stop I will not I'm just telling you right now I will not uh, to read your Bible to read your Bible and one of the principles that I have learned in my studying of God's word for 41 years is a principle that's found in Romans 15 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this statement. He uses different words, but he says the exact same thing three different times in those two chapters. Here's what he says. He says, in Romans 15, he says, Everything that was written in the Old Testament long ago was written to give us instruction and hope and encouragement. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says it this way. Everything that was written, everything that happened in the Old Testament was given to us as a warning and as examples to help us live rightly. Now what, let, me, let me interpret that for y'all. Let me tell you how I interpret that. You might interpret it differently. I respect that. Um, but... What I take from those, those three statements what, that I, I'm God for a second. I wrote the Old Testament for you to give you examples, to give you encouragement, to give you hope, and to give you warning. That's the four things that he says that he wrote the Old Testament for us to benefit from, from the, from the Old Testament. I take from that this idea that God filled the Old Testament with relationships between people. And I'm going to give you some examples. But he he filled the Old Testament with relationships to help reveal to us how God relates to us. I'm going to give you one example and then we'll, we'll talk it will be more specific. Um, Ruth and Boaz. Nobody, nobody, unless you're a, an imbecile, uh, could read the book of Ruth and not see that Boaz comes into the life of this poverty-stricken, alienated, undesired, unloved, uh, uh, wretched 
person, I'm talking about from a cultural society perspective. And he just says, I choose you. I'm rich as all get out. I could have any woman in Israel. And uh, uh, what can you do for me? Make me, a, make me a resume. And I'll look it over and tell you if, if I can use you on my team. No, no, no. She could do nothing. But this, this, this man that had everything walks into this lady's life and says, I choose you. I see what nobody else sees. And I've got plans for you that are unbelievable. Would you go on a journey with me through life? And if you will, oh, you're going to be so happy that you did. What, what's, that, what's that about? That's not just about a, a little poor woman from Moab and a rich old Jewish dude. It is that, but it's so much more. It's God's way of showing us, that's how I feel about you. That's how I want to relate to you. That's how I want to go through life with you in that kind of way. And so, I just want you to understand that, because I'll have some person sometime that just, I don't know why, but they'll come up and say, well, I'm not sure why we ought to even read the Old Testament. I'm not sure that Old Testament even applies. I'm not sure the Old Testament really was up for us. I'm not sure that the Old Testament really has anything. For, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Which, which arm and which leg do you want to cut off? What, 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 what major organ do you want to rip out of your body? Because it reveals these, these stories in the Old Testament reveal how God sees us and wants to relate to us. So they're invaluable. They're treasures. And I want to, and you can see that. You can see that principle in the life of Job. You can see it in the life of Abraham. You can see it in the life of Jacob and Joseph. You can see it in the life of Moses and Joshua. And uh, 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 just you can go on and on and on throughout the whole Old Testament and see these, these beautiful pictures of how God put relationships together and how people related to his saints. And you can see that's how God wants to relate to us. I can't do all of them. So I picked one dude. Now I did pick, I cherry picked. I admit that. Okay, I picked the best one out of the whole dead gum Bible. And that's David. But I want to real quickly, I want to go through some relationships with you real quickly in the life of David. And what I want you to see is as we look at these, we're just going to touch them. I've got, I think I got eight, I think. But I, I want you to see as these people related to David, this is how God wants to relate to me and to you. So let's look at them real quickly, all right? Um, first one, I, I'm going to start with the best one, I guess. It's not my favorite, but it's the best one, I guess. And that's uh, Jonathan. David had a friend. It was actually his best friend, and the man's name was Jonathan. And those of you that have read the Bible at all, present that Jonathan was the heir apparent to the throne. He was the son of the present king, King Saul. And uh, he, Jonathan, the throne was Jonathan's. It was his. Only problem is that God had told David, and God had told everybody through the prophets, that God wanted David to be the next king. 
What is amazing about that story is that Jonathan believed God. He believed the word of God when he heard it. And he said, David, just, just like, um, 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 Lord, um, Ruth, uh, Boaz, just like Boaz chose Ruth. Why? Who in the world could tell? But he chose her and said, I'm going to bless your, you don't wear socks, but I'll bless your sandals off. Okay, how about that? I'm going to, and Jonathan just said, David, I'm going to be your best friend. I'm going to love you. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to suffer for you. I'm going to defend when, when people malign you and attack you and slander you. I'm going to be the one that says, that's not right. That's a lie. That's not true. That is not the man that I know him to be. That's the role that Jonathan played. Jonathan lived his life believing in David, sacrificing for David, defending David, strengthening David, encouraging David. A number of times when David was at his darkest, lowest moment, this is what the Bible says. I just am giving you one, but this says this a number of times. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 23, Jonathan went and found David. And helped him find strength in God. Oh my goodness. David had a friend that when he knew. David was in a bad place. In a dark place. A hurting place. This friend said. I will not accept that. I'm going to go and find my friend. And I'm going to help him find strength. In God, I'm going to help renew his faith. I won't accept the fact that he is doubting God right now and in a dark, hurting place. I'm going to go and I'm going to help him find strength in God. You know, God wants to play that role in my life and in your life. We get into bad places, dark places, hurting places, scary places, and God says, there are all kind of things going on. There's all kind of reasons why you're there. It'll take an eternity to explain all that to you, my child. But what I want you to know is, I'm coming to you. And I want to reveal myself to you. And I want to give you encouragement. And I want to give you light. And I want to give you peace. And I want to give you joy. I want to encourage you. That's what God wants to do in your life and in my life, he wants to be a Jonathan in our lives. Just like you see this with Jesus and Peter. Remember when Peter uh, at the Lord's Supper, uh, he said, Oh, Jesus, I'll live for you forever. I'll be your best friend. I'll die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, I love you. You're my best friend. But just so you know, within 24 hours, within 12 hours, you are going to literally look into people's faces and tell them you have never heard of me. Don't, don't, don't boast. Don't brag. Don't act like you big man on campus because you are about to fail miserably. But then Jesus said, Peter, after you get through that, you're going to come back around. And you're going to love me again. And you're going to believe in me again. And you're going to want to serve me today again. And when you do, 
Go and strengthen the other disciples. What was Jesus saying? Hey, you're going to get through this. You're going to stump your toe big so badly that you'll probably say some ugly words. But you're going to get back up and you're going to start following me again. The last song hadn't been sung. The last chapter hadn't been written. Written, you're going to be fine and do great things. God wants to be a Jonathan in my life and in your life. David had a prophet in his life. His name was Gad. And this is a prophet that traveled with David a lot. And he was a guy that gave David guidance. He gave him direction. He helped David not repeat mistakes that David had made earlier. Um, he he uh, uh, helped David live by wisdom. Um, he was an incredible source of direction and guidance in David's life. In one verse I found it said that get the prophet Gad said to David, David, don't stay where you are. Get up and leave and go back to the land of Judah. My point is simple. You know, most of us, in my experience, personally and knowing y'all, most of us live our lives primarily learning from our mistakes. That's not a terrible plan. The worst plan is that you make the mistakes and you don't learn from them. Now that... That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. It's okay to learn from your mistakes. But you know that's not God's perfect plan. That's not God's perfect will. What God would like for us to do is look to Him, listen to Him, learn from Him, learn how He lives, and learn what He wants us to do in the first place. And then just say, you know what? I think I'll do it your way first. I'll, I'll, I'll do it the right way first. Instead of having, I, I won't fall in the mud hole the second time. Well, that's a good plan. But God says, hey, I got a better plan. Let's not fall in the mud hole the first time. That's the, that's the way God wants to relate to us. God wants to speak to us and guide us and direct us and give us wisdom. That's why he says in Psalm 32, I will instruct you and I'll teach you in the way you should go and I'll guide you with my eye. Ooh, do you know how close you have to be to somebody for them to guide you with their eye? I've got to be real close to you for you to be able to look in a certain... He doesn't say he'll, he'll guide us with his voice. In this verse, it says that he'll guide you with his eye. That means i got to be real close. So that when he looks down, or looks up, or looks to the right, or to the left, I can see the direction that he's looking. But he says, if you'll stay close, if you will look into my face, I will guide you. Every day of your life. David also had two priests. Their names were Zodak and Abathar. And they traveled with David. And it was their job, if you're just wondering, those two priests, it was their job every day. They prayed for David. 
They offered sacrifices for David. They represented David, they re represented David uh, in the presence of God. That was their ministry in David's life. God wants to play that role in my life and in your life. That's why in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And Paul says in Hebrews chapter 4, we have a great high priest in the presence of God who grasps our pain and is continually interceding for us. Do you know that? Do I, do, do, do I, do I really understand that one of Jesus' busy, busy Jesus, man, he's running the universe. Am I losing my thing here? Sorry about that. Uh, he's, 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 he's got the tides and the, the weather patterns and he's got poverty and wars and knothead rulers that aren't running the world. He's got all these things going on and he's in charge of all of it. And yet in the midst of his busy, busy life, Jesus spends time daily in the presence of his Father, in the presence of my God, and it says that he is interceding for me. And he's interceding for you. He's lifting our names to his dad. While Satan, the Bible says, is slandering and attacking us, Jesus is before the Father, defending us, praying for us, and hurting with us. David had a friend, another friend. His name was Eliezer. He was one of David's mighty men. And um, Eliezer was a unique guy. Let me read to you what the Bible says about Eliezer. He was one of David's soldiers and it said this. Eliezer and David stood together fighting the Philistines when the entire Israelite army fled, ran away. And David and Eliezer, they killed Philistines Till their hands were, till their arms were exhausted, and the Lord gave them a great victory. Oh. Life's hard. Life has battles. I have enemies. I have disappointments. I screw up. But Eliezer was a friend to David. And when everybody else ran away. You ever been like, you ever, do you know how that feels? Man, one day everybody's right there with you. Man, I'll stand by you. I'm your friend for life. Buddy, we're, we're like this. And, you know, we're number one. When everybody's patting you on the back with one hand and raising their finger with the other going, we're number one, we're number one. Oh boy, you can get a crowd. And there isn't a soul one anymore and you look around and there isn't a soul David understood that but when he looked around there was one man Eliezer and Eliezer said David I don't care what everybody else does I'll stand by you and I will be your friend and I will fight with you until I cannot raise my arm 
Do you know that's what Jesus says about you and about me? Uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, Paul says this, or God is speaking through the Apostle Paul. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then in Romans 8 it says, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Do you know that? Then the midst of the worst battles of your life, when you're in bankruptcy court, when you're in divorce court, when you're in rehab, when you're going and bailing your kids out of jail, when you don't feel like you have anybody, God wants us to know that He is there. When we, nobody would be proud of me. Nobody would want to be with God says, I'm proud of you and I will be with you. David had another friend. His name was Abisha. Um, this man, let me read this passage. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 21, In the heat of battle, David grew weak and exhausted. And a Philistine giant named Ishbi cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine giant. You have days or weeks or months. It's one thing for God to fight beside us. And I'm so glad he does. But it's a whole other thing on days when I can't fight. I can't fight. I don't have, any, I don't have anything to give. I don't have any energy to, to, to use. I don't have any. I, not only can I not fight. I don't want to fight. I'm tired of following. I'm tired of trying. I don't, I don't even like God. I don't trust Him. He's disappointed me. And I, I don't want to be with Him. I don't want to fight for Him. I don't want to fight with Him. God says, I'll fight for you. When you don't have the energy to fight, when the enemy is bigger than you can handle, I will stand and fight for you. That's why Jesus says, my sheep listen to me and I know them by name and they follow me and I give them eternal life. They will never perish for no one can snatch them from my hand or from my father's. I am the good shepherd. When the wolf comes, others will run away, but I will not. David had another prophet in his life. His name was Nathan. Nathan was a unique man. He loved David enough. David, Nathan loved David in a unique way in that David lo, Nathan loved David enough to tell him very hard things that nobody else would tell David and that he knew David didn't want to hear. He loved David enough to rebuke him when David was living wrongly ignobly and foolishly. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, it's one of the most famous chapters in the Old Testament. 
The Bible says that Nathan came to David and he rebuked David saying, you are the man that has done all of this evil. You might think, well, I don't really want somebody in my life that would say that to me. Oh my goodness, do you not realize what you're saying? You don't want somebody to come, you don't want your doctor to say, hey, I've got some tough news for you, but if you'll listen to me and cooperate with me, we can save your life. We can save your life. We can undo this. We can fix this. We can make things the way they're supposed to. Oh my gosh, what a gift. I, why, I do not know. But I have a couple of people in my life that love me that much. Many of you will come up and hug me and kiss me on the cheek, pat me on the back and brag on me and encourage me. And I am very thankful for you. But I've got a couple of people that will look me in the face and say, you're wrong. You've done wrong. And it's not right and you need to repent of that and change. Oh my gosh, what a gift. God wants to play that role in our life too. He doesn't want to just be Santa Claus and Granddaddy. He wants to be the one through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who comes to us and says, You know, Larry, you spoke harshly to Sherry. You told a lie. You had bad thoughts. You're acting like you have big riches when you're not. You're not being faithful. You're not doing the things that you know I've told you to do. Um, in uh, uh, John chapter 16, Jesus says, When the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict people of sin and God's righteousness and God's Peter. He rebuked the twelve. Jesus rebuked the people that He loved the most. He rebuked Peter. He rebuked the twelve uh, disciples on a number of occasions. And then in Matthew 18, the Bible says, Jesus says, if a man has a sheep who goes astray, he will search for him till he finds him. Now, we, we make that sort of fluffy. Oh, shepherd Jesus is going to find me and love you. But do, did you hear what he... It's a sheep that is going astray. It's not a sheep that got lost and is going... Come find me. Come. No, no, no. It's a sheep that says, I don't want to be found. I don't want to be. I want you to leave me alone. And Jesus says, the kind of shepherd that I am, I won't leave you alone. I'll hound you. Calvin said that God is the hound of heaven. And he will chase us to the ends of the earth. The last two, and I'll end. David had a group of men. Most of you would know their names. They're called the mighty men. Solomon wrote about these men in Proverbs 18 when he said, There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Listen to what in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, the leader of David's mighty men said this. They came to David, and here's what the leader of the the man representing the mighty men said. He said, Oh David, we are yours. We are on your side. And peace and prosperity to you and to yours. 
God says that about you. God says that about me. I'm yours. I'm on your side. And I'm working peace and prosperity into your life, into the lives of those that you love. In Zephaniah chapter 3 it says, For the Lord your God lives among you. He is mighty to save. He delights in you with gladness. And with his love he will calm your fears and rejoice over you with singing. I pick my grandson up almost every day. And it annoys the fire out of him. Because I'll pick him up and I'll kiss him all over his face. And he wants me to let him down. And I can't help it, but I start singing. And I have these silly, goofy little songs that I sing while I'm holding him. And he's squirming, let me down, lad, let me down. And I'm just kissing him and I'm singing these silly, goofy songs all over. And you might say, well, he doesn't like that. You ought not do that. I go, I can't help it. I can't help it. I, I, I see him. I can't help it. And someday he won't be able to help it either. He'll feel that way about some little tot. And, and, and I'll say, see, I won't be here. But anyway, you see my point. God, the, what that passage says is, is that when God thinks of you, Randy, he just burst into song. He sings over you because he delights in you. And another passage about David and his mighty men. Uh, I think that's in, uh, uh, what is that? 2 Samuel chapter 23. It's a beautiful picture. David is fighting the Philistines who have invaded Israel. And David's getting his fanny whipped. And the Philistines have come so close to Jerusalem, the Philistine army, that they have literally captured Bethlehem, which was just a suburb of Jerusalem. And David's out. He's out away. He's been run off by the Philistine army. And they're, they're, they're trying to regroup. And while they're regrouping to go and fight again, David is sitting in his tent with his men around him trying to plan a strategy to go back and fight the Philistines and retake Bethlehem. And David says, Bethlehem's you know, where David was born. You know that, right? It's his hometown. And David just on a whim says... Man, I wished I had a glass of water from the well at Bethlehem. He was thirsty. But he didn't just want any water. He said, man, I'd love to have some good water from my hometown. The water that I grew up drinking as a boy. And some of David's mighty men, David didn't ask him to do anything. Some of David's mighty men just heard him say that in passing. And you know what the Bible says? His mighty men rose up and they fought through the Philistine lines. And they got a glass of water. Or I guess it was a little old bag of water. However they did that. And they fought back through the Philistine lines. And handed it to David. Who would do that? Who? There was water everywhere. David didn't need. It was just a whim. It was a wish. It was a hope. It was just. Man I wish I had. It's just a dream. But David's mighty men said, if you dream it, I'm going to risk my life. I'll give everything to fulfill it. Do you realize that God wants to be that in your life and in my life? He delights 
in fulfilling our dreams. He's not going to give us things that will hurt us. He's not going to give us things that will rob us of his ultimate plans for our life. There are things that he has to say, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. Because it would ultimately bring you harm. But if he can, God loves to fulfill our dreams. He loves to, to do things for us if we will just ask him. That's why he says um, uh, in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, Jesus is the Lord who loves to give generously to anyone who will ask him. In Romans chapter 8, it says, If God did not spare his own son, will he not also with us freely give us all things? God put, Dave, put people in David's life. To not only bless David, but to reveal to David who God was in David's life. It's like a mama holding a baby and, and protecting that baby and nourishing that baby and protecting that baby and uh, uh, teaching that baby. There's a lot going on there, but one of the things that God's saying is, I'll also be that role in your life. God put people in David's life to not just bless David, but to reveal to David how God felt about him and what God wanted to do in David's life. But God didn't stop there. God also put these people in David's life so that you and I could see how God feels about us, what God is doing in our lives, and what God wants to do in our lives. I want you to see this. I want you to feel this. I want you to feel the hope, the, the delight, the commitment, the passion, the faithfulness, the sacrifice. I know life's hard. I look around this room and I, I know many of you have got journeys in, in places that you're in right now that I wouldn't wish on the devil. And I know that. And I can't fix that. What I do know is that in the midst of our darkest, most painful, difficult journeys and seasons and places, Jesus wants to be in your life a friend, a lover, a father, a servant, a warrior, a provider, a defender, an intercessor. He wants to be all of these things in your life. And He is being those things whether you and I see it or believe it. And He wants to do And it's just the tip of the iceberg. He wants to do so much more. If we will just believe and trust and wait upon Him, what He's doing in our lives, it's just the beginning. Okay, we got to quit. Lord, help us. Uh, Doug, would you and Terry come up and help me, please? We're going to take the Lord's Supper.
Uh, uh, let me see here. Mom, would you and Barbara go to the windows, please? If you would like prayer while we're taking the Lord's Supper, you, you need somebody to pray for you. Uh, Barbara's going to be over here by this window, and my mom's going to be over here at this window. And they would love to pray with you. They'll pray in faith. They'll pray confidentially. They will pray for you. If you need prayer today, don't leave here and not be prayed for. What a, what a bad plan. Uh, don't be worried about the pot roast so much that you, uh, or the line at Piccadilly that you, you, you miss being prayed for. So let them pray for you. We're going to take bread, we're going to take wine, and we're going to pray, uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, I had a verse. Oh, I'm going to read this verse again from John 10. My sheep hear me, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. My sheep hear me, and I know them, and I love them, and I've given them eternal life. If that describes you, please come and take bread and drink wine. There's purple's wine and a yellow's apple juice. Um, come and eat and drink and remember what this amazing friend has done for you and give thanks. And rejoice at what God has done for you, what God is doing for you, and what God is going to do for you. You come and let's celebrate.